Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Still with us, Brian, out there in the in the Monica of Santa? Yeah, still here. Where else All am right. I going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We've well, been taking these these weekend trips to uh, quarantine with your yes, family. So. That is true. With my mom down in Orange County, and uh, that's been a, a lifesaver actually. Because um, yeah, it's good to have a little bit of space and a little bit of breakup with the childcare duties, and everybody's much happier and uh, ready to face uh, whatever these things that are called weeks are. Yeah, whatever may come next. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. So my week started out uh, on typical Monday fashion, woke up Monday morning and found that uh, our 15-year-old refrigerator had finally apparently gotten the Rona. And uh, By the end of this quarantine, uh, you're going to have a brand new house. I n- I'm telling you, man. I'm piece telling you. Piece by piece. <laughs> at the same time, DirecTV died at the same time, so they had to send me a new box. Uh, yet we're slowly replacing it. You know, what is the ship of Theseus or whatever that one, or, or whatever that one ship is that everything's been replaced on? That's us. We are slowly <laughs> replacing the entire house one one bit at a time. So yeah, seven hours of cooking yesterday to try and salvage everything in the freezer. Right. Are you going to get one of those uh, smart fridges so you can you know get uh, get app updates about when you're running low on cheese? Nope. Uh, we talked to a lot of people yesterday because apparently buying, uh, you know, major appliances in a pandemic is uh, not as easy as you'd think it would be. Because no, trust me, I know. <laughs> okay. What did you replace? No, I just uh, I was still considering moving. So any, oh, any, yeah. any large items being moved anywhere is is a logistical nightmare too far to, too hard to comprehend during a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So we actually had refrigerator repair guys in the house yesterday, which was, you know, of course, fun. We had to spray the house down when we were done and all that good stuff. But yeah, she she's gone. She bit the dust. So getting a new one tomorrow. But we're getting just a standard fridge. Uh, we talked to a bunch of people, and they're like, "No, don't get these. Don't get those. They die like right after the warranty's done." And mm-hmm. uh, got some good recommendations. So we're going Samsung. We're going. Right. Uh, a couple generations older on the Samsung. Okay. No screens, not even a not even an ice maker on the damn thing. <laughs> not even a Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. I, my 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 refrigerator will not come with a subscription. Good. That's that's a plus or a privacy policy. Yep, no privacy policies. So I did a little research of on Giphy because mm-hmm. we talked about them on the last show and we we're like, how do they make money? Is there a Giphy Pro or whatnot? Turns out the the way that Giphy made money was wait for it. Venture capital. That's how they made money. They had a big runway. And unlike Imager, who like, you know, can actually charge and do things like that, they just basically were living the good life off their VC money. They took in $110 million and sold for four hundred. So not bad. You not know what my, my biggest regret going back to the early days of the internet, Jason, uh, and when I started up my own business is uh, my biggest regret is actually, you know, having a product and selling it. If only mm-hmm. I would have come up with this business model of, um, you know, basically no product, uh, provide a service and don't charge for it. It was right there in front of me the whole time. And But who would have thought? Oh, know, wait, we had <laughs> business planners. Yeah, yeah, business people did. We had we had common sense, or so we thought. Yes, we were like, if we're not making something that somebody wants to pay for, why would we build it? Yes. Oh, 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 the flipping, the flipping yes. thing. Yes, did, did not imagine that. Much to my detriment. 
Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. I as I was going through Giphy and looking at Imager and all these other things, we've talked about Pinterest in the past in the past being, you know, the worst place for copyright on the internet. And boy were we wrong. Giphy oh, yeah. and Imager mm-hmm. and all these other sites, man, that's all it is. Is that's just all it copyright is. infringement over and over and over again. Yes, which is why they can't charge. Because then yep, they get it, sued. That's that's kinda it, yeah. yeah. So it's uh oh God. I just I don't, I don't know where we went wrong. I don't know where we went wrong. We had morals and ethics. Yeah, and just no vision, I guess. We we weren't businessmen. We didn't have loafers. We didn't have penny loafers or khakis and blue shirts. So uh, we also talked about uh, the new, uh, what was it, um, uh, the Unreal Engine 5. Yes. And how that they've upgraded the Unreal Engine 4 so you can... Uh, you don't have to give them a royalty until you make a million dollars on your game. And mm-hmm. then we made fun of them because they have an Oculus package where you can make Oculus games. And we're like, who's made a million dollars on an Oculus game? Well, turns out. They might uh, have. Huh? <laughs> a couple, couple people. people did. <laughs> yep. Uh, actually, Facebook says that they have 20 titles that have pulled in at least $1 million and 10 of those eclipsing $2 million. So the total money in the Oculus Quest store is $100 million that they've brought in. Hmm. So, uh, well, so 20 people are actually having to pay Unreal for the thing. I'm sure there's a lot more developers than 20, but 20 people have passed the $1 million mark. Right. Okay. So. And it's interesting. I mean, this is the Oculus Quest, the standalone one, the one that I was looking at. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I didn't buy one. Apparently, there's a new one coming soon. Of course, there is. But uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool standalone device. Nobody's really wanting these PC powered ones anymore that you're tethered. They want the they want the standalone, being able to walk around without a without a cable. Well, that is kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, would you nice. buy a mouse with a cable these days? No, I would not. Okay. Why would you want a headset where the whole point is to walk around and experience the virtual reality? Exactly. Exactly. So I'm not sure how much different the the quality is. I'm sure it's, you know, greatly different since everything has to be on board the headset and not on an actual like massive PC in the corner. You just got to build up your neck muscles. You do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look like... uh, what, what's that Batista guy from uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy? Look like him when I'm done with it. But uh, it's interesting. I, I still want to try one of these. I mean, my problem is glasses, so I don't want to buy one and not be able to see it because I have glasses. I know they have extenders and things like that, but my eyes are so jacked. It's just like I'm going to spend 500 bucks and not be able to see the damn thing. True, true. Yep. Uh, a little follow-up on Square. Square has done the same thing that Twitter has done because they have the same glorious leader, Jack Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Square is going to let their employees work permanently from home if they so desire after all of this kerfuffleness in the world. Right. Okay. Big surprise there. No surprise. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing a drink up on Saturday. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep. What time okay. are we doing it, Brian? Because that's up to you. <laughs> well, why don't we do it a bit earlier? Because we had people complaining that it was way too late in the UK last time. Why don't we uh, shoot for like, say, three or four-ish? What do you uh, think? I can do four. I can do four. All right, let's do four. Uh, I actually have a, a, a friend Zoom call scheduled on Saturday as well. And I've got to tell you, after two months of basically next to no social activities whatsoever, it feels a bit overwhelming to have two things in one day. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Do. Don't don't get Zoom fatigue. I, I will not. So yeah, okay, let's let's say four PM Pacific time. That's a bit earlier than we did it last time, so maybe some of the UK folks can join. I will be there for an hour, as yep. previously stated. Jason will be there 
since we're starting at four. So roughly, I'd say six hours or until he runs out of White Claws. <laughs> until I run out of White Claw. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so go to GOG.show slash live. All the links will be there. And the password will be Deliveroo. Doesn't matter what it's going to be. I'm not going to be able to get in. I, I I figured it out. I figured it out. I didn't. I I set the password while I was creating the event. So boom, it should work this time. <laughs> okay. Although I will try and get there early to test, just in case. I was there early. <laughs> well, you were. I said I I will try to get there early this time because it worked before. So why would I have to show up early? It worked, mm-hmm. and then it didn't. In the news. So to the point that we've been discussing ourselves since this all started and uh, certainly has become the major point of topic of contention in our security ha segment, the ennui of this ongoing, whatever the fuck it is that we're doing. Uh, there was a great article over on Slate called No Endpoint in Sight uh, that kind of gets into the feelings that we've been feeling. Um, it's just the fact that, you know. Everything gets pushed by two weeks. And, you know, at first it seemed like New York would be shut down for a couple of weeks, maybe. Then the order gets extended and then schools get closed. And now here we are in May and the calendar says the shutdown is up on Friday, but it's probably going to be pushed again. And the states, the schools are not coming back for the year and blah, 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 blah. And the whole, this whole article is just about going, you know, nobody knows. And that's the problem. There's no end date. There's no deadlines, and that's what humans need to endure pain. And because we keep getting things pushed further and nobody's really sure, and there's certainly – the experts have no idea. The idiots tell us that they have an idea, that, but their idea turns out to be wrong. So we – in addition to not even having end dates, we're given dates, but the dates turn – go away. And this is why everybody is losing their minds. So. Well, I mean, the thing is, it's like, of course they have no idea. This is unprecedented. Yeah. We haven't done this before. The whole, the whole human race hasn't, well, the, the living human race that we're in right now hasn't done this before. <laughs> this is our first go round, you know? Yes. And as I posted on my social media, God, I miss precedented times. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> I do definitely miss precedented times. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I hear that one more time. <laughs> oh, God. You just don't watch commercials. Every commercial, I, yeah. it, it, you know, if you played the drinking games with the catchphrases on commercials, you would be a full fledged alcoholic at this point. By, by 10 in the morning. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you would be passed out by 11 mm-hmm. easily, easily. And uh, we talked about Uber laying off uh, some people last time. Well, mm-hmm. it's going to keep continuing. Uh, the The last cuts were 3,700 jobs, which was 14% of its workforce in early May. And now they're mm-hmm. cutting 3,000 more jobs, which is another 14%. And they're closing, wait for this, 45 offices. How many freaking offices does Uber need? Uh, one in every city, at least, that they're operating in at, oh, at minimum. True. So plus plus a main head office and so quite a few offices. And when you when everybody hears those numbers, please do keep in mind that is not drivers because drivers are not employees. No, they're not. And I'm guessing the amount of drivers on the road right now is minuscule, which is why they can't afford to pay the people in the offices. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how many how many people have taken a ride share in two months? I don't know anybody that will get in an Uber right now. I mean, most of my friends wouldn't get in an Uber already. So that was a different kind of sample size right there. But yeah, nobody's (laughs) like, I'm not kidding. Somebody crazy car. You kidding me? And people who drive for Uber are like, I don't want no strangers in my car. You kidding me? So (laughs) it's pretty much uh, this might this might be the end of Uber. Yeah, it won't be. They're like cockroaches. I know. And, And you know what? That would be good news. So damn. 
<laughs> we can't have nice things. Sure. No, we can't. And uh, speaking of not having nice things, another really great think piece was over at Slate this week. Um, title was Let's Weaponize Social Media Against COVID-19. So this is basically getting into how the past three years, even pre-COVID, has been a war against online information, um, mostly thanks to the party in charge here uh, that uh, kind of weaponized it for their own uses and basically destroyed the concept of the actual fact. And uh, this theory is, well, you know, we know the, we know the techniques that they're using. We know the playbook. Why don't we turn around and use it against them? Why don't we fight fire with fire? Why not stoop to their level? Yes, they may go low and we may go high, but they're winning. So maybe we should try going low. <laughs> go lower. <laughs> and maybe uh. even lower, which is an interesting theory. But the problem, as, as it's quite a long article, and as you get into it, uh, the author kind of gets into, well, we should, you know, our digital we need some uh, the health officials need to hire digital markers the the federal at the state levels they need to hire digital markers there's people who know how to do all these sorts of things uh the problem is we don't uh, who who's in charge who sets the tone and that's right. a real issue that we have right now because uh, states don't agree and and health departments don't necessarily agree with state departments and federal departments and you know the, the you, you kind of need someone in charge of this the, to set the tone and we don't have that person and who would we put in charge of that anyways? I, that, that, that's the thing that catches me here. I know who it is. We, we put who? Stephen Colbert in charge, and he can be the truthiness czar. Well, that feels a little 10 years out of date. I think we have to yeah, go with John Oliver. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Could yeah, be. But John Oliver is too depressing. That's true. That's true. We need John Stewart back. Somebody exhume the corpse of John Stewart and bring him back, please. Uh, you know he's not dead, right? I know, but his <laughs> career is. I saw him. He did a... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Dave Chappelle won an award and mm. uh, John Stewart came out and talked about how much, you know, Dave Chappelle and him were buds at the beginning. And right. uh, and I was just it was so nice to see him again. It was really <laughs> nice to see him on stage again. I'm like, dude, shave the beard and come back to us. We need you more now more than ever. Well, he's too busy doing documentaries. Yeah. So, and living yeah. on his farm. Yeah. There you go. Isn't, wait, isn't Chappelle on the farm? Oh, everybody's got a, farm. On a farm. Letterman's yeah, got a every, farm. Stewart's got a farm. Chappelle's wow. got a farm. So when you fear a comedian and and your your career bites the dust, you literally buy the farm. You do buy the farm. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Uh, got some Fitbit news. Uh, actually, this came up in my household recently. Well, Fitbit did because my wife wa wanted to see uh, how many steps she's taking as we pat around the house all day. So I fired up the old uh, the old browser and took a look over at Fitbit, hoping that there was just going to be one of those little clip-on things, you know, because that's the, what they do theoretically for a living. But no, they only have highly expensive watches these days. No, no clip-on pedometers. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Not on their website, Jason. Yes, they do. I'm going to tell you which one to buy and how to do it. Well, basically, what you want is a Fitbit Inspire. That's the one you can take it off and you put a. You, they have a little hip clip that you can buy and clip it on. That's what I use. That's what my roommate uses. We both use that. The Fitbit Inspire. And how much does that cost, Jason? Sixty nine ninety five. Well, I got one for twenty two dollars that does the job, and it's not from Fitbit. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's a. So I did not end up getting a Fitbit, and she's quite happy. And she went, "Wow, that's really all I walk around the house during the day." I'm like, "Yeah." We have to get outside. Yep, you do. You do. <laughs> but in Fitbit news, they have decided to pivot and uh, start making ventilators. Why? Now. <laughs> Why? Uh, two months too late. And yeah. we also have determined now that ventilators aren't needed. So 
Yes, as the article points out. So we're kind of curious as to why they've decided to just make announce this pivot now because we've probably got enough of them. We have flattened the curve in that sense, and uh, they don't really help save lives too no, much. No, once you go on a ventilator, you have an 80% chance of never coming off. Yes. So, so the, yeah. that's the pivot they've announced. But we have known that they've been trying to go B2B and specifically healthcare industry. So maybe it's just a method of if we announce this, we will be in talks with companies that will help us in the future when things are better. Perhaps that's the idea. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, my, like I said, my roommate and I have Fitbits and we've actually started doing daily goal challenges with our other friends that have Fitbits. And it's been really helpful for morale. We actually do like, you know, battle each other and, you know, trash talk all day. And we're getting out and getting more steps because of it. So that's the nice thing about the Fitbit is the community aspect of it. I hate and community. Yeah, <laughs> I never saw that show. Uh, and speaking of community, though, I had the weirdest dream the other night because we've been, like I said, doing a lot of Fitbit stuff around here. I had a dream that I opened up my app and it showed me that I had done 11,000 steps and I had been in contact with 80 people. Like they had magically turned on contact tracing inside the Fitbit app. And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, that might actually not be a bad idea. Well, if, if everybody had something, a Fitbit, yes. I mean, that could be something, you know, it's like, yep. uh, I'm just, it, it was just a weird dream. And I'm like, what's that? What's that new icon there? Oh, 80 people, you know, you're out I don't want contact tracing from my Fitbit. I, what I'd want it to do is, is do this incredibly large res, red alert alarm from Star Trek. If somebody was approaching me, red alert, somebody within 50 feet. <laughs> yeah. Cross the street, cross the street. <laughs> don't cross the streams. Just cross the street. That's right. And uh, I know you're a big fan of DGI, and you have a couple of their drones. You might want to hold on to them now. They could be collector's items. Oh, I saw this. This is scary. Yeah. Uh, Steptoe, a leading international law firm, has secured a major trial victory for Autel Robotics USA at the U.S. International Trade Commission, or the ITC. The chief administrative law judge found that DGI Technologies, the world's largest manufacturer of consumer drones, and seven related entities collectively, collectively known as DGI, have uh, basically been... Uh, <laughs> I got. I got. I got to break yeah. in here. You keep calling it DGI. It's DJI. DJI. Whatever. Yeah, it's one of those things. One. It took me forever to to pronounce it properly. Just uh, just wanted to let you know. Back off my GIF. <laughs> I, will. I will. Anyways, apparently, yes, they've been infringing on a patent. So I don't know if this is patent trolls or legitimate business concerns, but uh, uh, it's what's happened, and the judge has recommended barring the following DJI. Products from import into the U.S. The Mavic Pro, the Mavic Pro Platinum, the Mavic 2 Pro, the Mavic 2 Zoom, the Mavic Air, and Spark. And they've also recommended a cease and desist order prohibiting them from selling any of these products that are already here. Crazy. <sighs> what sucks is, I mean, I have a Mavic 2 Zoom and I love the thing. I've been taking it up every night and mm -hmm. playing around with it because it's just nice to be able to see the neighborhood that I can't go out in. And uh, they just came out with the Mavic Air 2, which looks incredible. It looks incredible. It's even cheaper than my Zoom. But uh, yeah, um, fortunately, I just bought a new chair, which everybody's been yelling at me about. But uh, <laughs> so I can't I can't get a new drone. But I don't understand the kerfuffle about the chair. Why were you guys? I, I saw that a couple Twitter notices and some emails that we got that people were yelling at you about your chair. I don't get it. I don't know why What'd you do. Did you promote it too much? I, apparently <laughs> I talked about it on the show when I got it. That was it. Okay. So I don't I don't know why people. It's don't a nice like chair. It's a great chair. I don't know what's wrong with people. <laughs> I mean, it just means I can't buy a drone. 
but that's fine. I couldn't afford the chair either. <laughs> what the fuck? Leave me alone, guys. But yeah, if you've got a DJI drone, just to hang on to it right now, or you know, just keep an eye on the market. If this happens, then yeah, I might be able to sell my Zoom for you know a nice profit. Well, see, the thing that concerns me, and this is something that you may not have thought of either, if if they are compelled to pull these things out of the marketplace and no longer have this steady source of income, no updates, no support. Yeah, I know. That's, I, I'm not a fan of this one. They need to settle and get this thing done. Yes. Because, I mean, Mavic is massive, uh, and DJI is massive over here. So it makes it pay the royalty for the patent and just like let's let's move on. Suck it up day. and move on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're 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 worth billions. That company is so huge. They can afford to pay for the patent. Let's well. Let's move that on. also means they can afford to pay for the lawyers to keep this dragging on and on and on. Hey, as long as they're still selling the stuff and I get my, my software updates, that's fine because the software updates are really key because it has the, you know, no fly zones and things like that. So you're, you know, you're legal when you fly, which is what I care about. You know, I don't want to be flying over someplace that, you know, they've, they've designated a no fly zone that I didn't know about because my software didn't update. And then right. I get it. Then I get dinged for a ticket, you know, which would suck. Now, Brian, have you ever used the untapped app? Uh, briefly, and I believe one of the uh, friends of the show, Kyle, works for them, correct? Yep, Kyle Roderick. He uh, He's a designer over at yeah. Untapped, and I know uh, my friend uh, Michael Burns, uh, every day when I come on, he's posting which beers he's drinking. Yeah, I, um, I use it for a while until I quickly discover that I'm not adventurous enough of a beer drinker. Yeah, I don't drink beer anymore, so <laughs> I, it's useless for me. But there's an article over at Bellingcat.com, and it's called Military and Intelligence Personnel Can Be Tracked with the Untapped Beer App. Now, I went through this article, and I'm reading it, and it's like, okay, well, you know, you can find locations. Like, you can put in Rammstein Air Base mm -hmm. and see how many people are drinking beer at Rammstein. And it just goes through the same thing. And what this is, basically, is just a rehash of that fitness Strata. app. Strata, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's exactly the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. And when you get to the very end of it, though, it says untapped differs in three crucial ways. It has decent privacy settings as profiles can be set to private easily. Users have to consciously set locations to check into. And most importantly, private residences are not registered unless a user has added their own home. In other words, with untapped, the onus is on the user for the data they share, which makes this a big nothing burger. To me, yeah, except for the fact that, you know, what, uh, yes, it does make it a nothing burger, but the entire point of the app is for you to share all that information publicly. Exactly. Uh, I know. So. I mean, it's, it's it, you know, when, when I saw this and I read it, I'm like, you know, that's a feature, not a bug, yes. right? Guys? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, people that work at the Pentagon like to go out and have a beer. Who cares? Shocking. Yes. You know, it's like, Okay, if they want to use Untapped, let them use Untapped. As long as they're not like in like some secret base in Afghanistan, who gives a shit? Yeah, probably not a lot of bars right around that secret base either. So, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, but Strava though, it's like, oh, that's all GPS based with you know running paths and things yes. like that. I can see mm -hmm. how that would be a big problem. And the privacy settings were, you know, not the other there. way around. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, and over in interesting kind of odd news, uh, I'd never heard of Club Penguin before. Uh, really? Dis Disney, certainly. Yeah, why would I have? Oh, man. It was huge. I did some work for them back in the day, and uh, I figured you might have done some work for them, too, because it was all, like, Flash-based and things like that. But, yeah, Club no. Penguin was massive back in the day. 
Yes, well, Disney hasn't been running any form of Club Penguin since 2018, but that hasn't been stopping people from running clones. And uh, the media giant Disney has had enough and sicked the lawyers after them. Now, before you go, oh, this is another case of lawyers run amok. Not so much. Uh, multiple <laughs> servers so had much. content <laughs> filters disabled, allowing racism, harassment, and other harsh language to flow freely. There were also e-sex arrangements for Zoom meetups and, at least in the past, doxing campaigns. So a lot of people were using this for nefarious purposes. And I say nefarious because I've been watching Minions nonstop and Dr. Nefario is on my mind a lot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I just I actually had to draw him yesterday for my kid, which I, I did not know I could draw Dr. Nefario, but apparently I can. So yes, oh. Disney is going after these people saying in their statement that child safety is a top priority, as it should be for all people, but particularly Disney. So good. Get him. All right. And who'd, finally, who'd have in, that there was a clone, like <laughs> I didn't. Was the like the server source open source that they could? I suppose it clones? must have been in order to create a clone, right? So, or yeah. somebody wrote their own that mimicked it, and people ran with it that way. Yeah, I, the only yeah. the only way you could do that is if the the communications weren't you know secure, so you could see all the protocols that are going back and forth, and then just back you know reverse engineer it to yep. kind of build that i've seen that done before but uh and it, it kind of would make sense since club penguin was around back before we knew about these things called security and security you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and encryption and all that good stuff yes. so it's interesting yeah pretty interesting and uh, i just love this for our last story of the week and uh the be the best part is probably this first paragraph anyway like many of the worst stories of 2020 this one starts with a tweet from tesla and spacex ceo elon musk on Sunday uh, afternoon, yeah. Musk tweeted, take the red pill, followed by a red rose. Now, this was somewhat oh. unclear. We don't no, know. No, it's what not unclear. If you know what if you know what the red pillars are, this is not unclear. It's like, oh. Yes, okay. It As gets into this in the article. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh. So anyways, as it says, the scene is tailor-made for conspiracy theorists and grifters who prey on them. In the years following the Matrix release, it's been adopted by a variety of fringe movements claiming to hold the secret key to understanding the world, from 9-11 truthers to men's rights activists. So it also gets into the socialist movement that he may or may not have been advocating. Uh, lots of stuff going on here but this did not stop ivanka trump from endorsing either these conspiracy theories or just the general concept of taking unidentified pharmaceuticals as she oh, tweets in and basically says taken and of course donald awesome, trump she's Jr. a racist great yes well nothing we didn't know uh donald <laughs> trump jr got in on the fun too again it remains unclear exactly whose ideas or policies anyone involved in this conversation thought they were talking about and uh, as they point out, you know, the vagueness here is deliberate on all sides. None of these people are committing to any particular idea. My workers should willingly go to their desks so that I can become richer, for instance. So none of them can be asked to answer for anything that they have said. Uh, so all this is going on and enter our hero. The film's co-director and co-screenwriter, the now Lily Wachowski, who made a brief but eloquent statement on the matter of Ivanka Trump and Elon Musk using a metaphor from her film as a way of endorsing unspecified but undoubtedly terrible ideas. She simply tweeted, as a reply, fuck both of you. <laughs> Drops the mic, walks <laughs> out of the room. Ah. Best thing that happened on the internet all week. No shit. Oh, I love you, Lily. Rock on. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. 
On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people fueled by their beliefs can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once. They continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete Me. Delete Me scours the Internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once. They monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. Seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now available at a special discount for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. 
The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Media Candy. Another week, another new Star Trek series has been announced. But this one might actually be a little bit exciting for all of us as opposed to, say, I don't know, some who knows if it's going to work or not animated show about the uh, red shirts under the decks. This is a big one. This will be called Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which, according to the press release, will feature fan favorites from season two of Star Trek Discovery. Anson Mount as Captain Christopher Pike, Rebecca Romaine as number one, and Ethan Peck as science officer Spock. The series will follow Pike, Spock, and number one in the decade before Captain Kirk boarded the Enterprise as they explore new worlds around the galaxy. Luckily, we all know how the show will end. Yes. Now, you mentioned that they were doing another Star Trek series on the last show, and then I finally got to see the the press release for it, and I have to tell you, I am so damn excited. God knows when this will be made, because nobody can go to the studio right now, <laughs> but I love all these characters, and I didn't even realize that that was Rebecca Romaine. I didn't when either. I, I had no idea. <laughs> no idea. I'm like, she was hot. I knew she was hot, but I didn't realize she was Rebecca Romaine hot in yep. a Apparently she is. So <laughs> I am really looking forward to this one. Uh, yeah. Hopefully they can make it. My, my <laughs> thought, I, I, I had two thoughts. First, God, I hope they do retro backgrounds and, and scenes and sets, but they won't. And then my second related thought to that is, I wonder what incredible technology that they'll invent for this show that they'll have to have some sort of wrap up that so it disappears and nobody ever speaks of it again. Well, no, remember, though, I mean... <laughs> uh, the Enterprise was kind of it, it, it. They kind of Battlestar Galactica the Enterprise in this because they didn't like the new technology. That's why they were redoing everything with old school technology in season two of Discovery. Yeah. So it's already being like you know retrofitted already to for that look and that feel. So I'm, I'm hoping they do it. Can't wait. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally think they have to because they have to set it up for when you know yeah. when Kirk takes over. Why everything looks the way it looks and. You know they're going to. They're totally mm-hmm. going to do that because it's it's inevitable in five years, Kirk is going to be back on CBS All Access. Yes. You know it's Since coming. the movies have basically shat out and that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Shatner is not coming back, so we need a new Kirk. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm sad that the way the movies ended because that last Star Trek movie was just a dumpster fire. Well, but, it is the way that Star Trek seems to end in movies. That's true. That's true. But I love the first two. I thought the first two were fantastic. They were well done. Yeah, they had Winona Ryder, man. Come on. You can't go Spock's wrong. Spock's mom has got it going on. <laughs> yes, she does. And uh, I saw this one, and this was uh, this just made made me smile, too. Uh, these, I mean, how, how often do we get two bits of good news in media candy? Not that often. Hamilton is going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. Much earlier than they thought, because it was going to be in the theaters on October 15th, 2021. And we're all like, why so long? It's already done. Well, uh, they the original plan was to wait until the L.A. run ended that I was supposed to attend. But since that's off the boards now. <laughs> well, then you can just sit in the comfort of your own home and see the original cast from the best seat in the house starting on July 3rd. Yep. Looking forward to it. I plan on watching it. Oh, me too. I'm going to sign up for Disney Plus just for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am. I am so looking forward to this. It's uh, I've seen some of the footage from the taping that they did, 
and it's beautiful. I mean, it's right. absolutely beautiful. So it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. It's really going to be awesome. Excellent. Much better than that. Much better than that bootleg I sent you. Yeah. I never watched that because I, I, the bootleg, just the quality wasn't there. I was like, I don't want this to be my first experience. Ah, it's so good though. So good. Yeah. I'll wait. Any port in a store, man. Any port in a store. <laughs> now I talked a couple episodes back about, uh, in apps and doodads about some apps that have been made as a uh, book adaptations from the Julia Donaldson, uh, book series for kids, a uh, room on the broom, the Gruffalo and the Gruffalo's child, all of which highly recommended as books. If you have a child, uh, the apps are also extremely well done. And what I discovered this weekend is that there are, uh, short film adaptations of many of her books. Oh. Um, by short film, I mean shorts. They're about 23 to 25 minutes, which is perfect length of time to get the kid off your back for a bit or even watch it with them. And there is some serious star power on board on these things. I didn't yeah, realize really? <laughs> how big these books were. So we have links in all the show notes, uh, Room on the Broom, of course. Gillian Anderson plays the uh, the the witch, which is great. Simon Pegg is in this as well. The Gruffalo has Helena Bonham Carter and Robbie Coltrane, also the Gruffalo's child, the sequel. Stickman has Martin Freeman and Jennifer Saunders. And there's one called Zog, which is about a dinosaur. Kit Harrington makes sense for dinosaurs. Wow. And they're all extremely well done. I mean, we're talking like probably, you know, the version, the, this is the version for kids now for us that like Aardmark, Aardmark Animation was for us. You know what I mean? So... Very cool. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's some serious star power right there. Mm -hmm. And they're very well done. Highly recommended. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I highly recommend, I've talked about this on the show before, but uh, and I took a little break because The Secret History of Hollywood is one mm -hmm. of my favorite podcasts, but it's very much like hardcore history. It takes them a long time to do these like four hour epics. But they are so damn good. But also I found that like over on Patreon, he does a, a lot of behind the scenes stuff and a lot of extra episodes, unlike our good friend Dan Carlin. So I just signed up again for the $5 Patreon level and I got a ton of new content that is what I need right now in these uh, in these <laughs> unprecedented in these unprecedented times, times. now drink. more than ever Jason <laughs> everybody drink uh so I highly recommend checking out the secret history of Hollywood podcast and the new one that's coming out I am super excited about because it is the uh the secret history of Hollywood Cary Grant edition oh man it's gonna be great I love Cary Grant <laughs> And uh, the stories that this guy gets into are fantastic. And uh, on a lot of the shows, he actually uh, has Mark Gaddis on as one of the either voices or, you know, like I'm sure he's like, like they're buds. And they, why does know, that voice sound them. or that name sound familiar to me? Mark Gaddis is the, the guy behind Sherlock. Oh, there we all go. Of those. Right. Yeah. He's, he's Mycroft in Sherlock. Right. Also Dracula, which I enjoy thoroughly. <laughs> I still got to go back and watch that. Oh, thanks for the reminder. No I got to I got to. Put that on my reminder. I got to go back to that one. Yeah. Can't be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I got uh, knocked down my, my Netflix queue, so I haven't seen it. I need to go check that one out for sure. But definitely check out the Secret History of Hollywood podcast. It's Even if you're not so big into movies, it is a great history podcast. And you go back to some of the uh, the old school studios and just the drama that happened back then. And it's just – it's really, really interesting and fascinating. And – you know, his production quality is top notch. It's got great music. It's got fantastic voices. He's got, you know, lots of different cast members on a lot of these shows. It is a production. This is like, you know, old school, like full on radio. 
So highly recommend it if you want something really, really good to listen to. I don't think I've, I've said it's good enough yet, but uh, you, I'll you, leave it you have. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. At the library. I finished the brand new novel by Christopher Moore, Shakespeare for Squirrels. I actually finished it last week, but Jason had not finished it yet. Have you finished it by now? Nope, I haven't even started it. So let's hear what you have to say about it. And I can tell you right now that it's going to be better than Christopher Moore's last book that we both started seven times and never finished. So the fact that you finished it says a lot. Yes, it is a return to form. This will be a spoiler-free uh, talk really quickly just because you haven't finished it yet and and because I, I think we have quite a few Christopher Moore fans that listen to our show as well. He's one of my so. favorite authors. Yeah. Uh, you're right. His last book, Noir, which was a departure for him, I, I could not get into, still cannot get into, is still sitting on my, on my bedroom uh, cabinet here, uh, unread and collecting dust. And I don't think I ever will finish it. Uh, this is definitely a return to form. It's a return to specific characters as well. Um, those that we love from Fool and uh, one of his other books. This is the third book that these characters have made this uh, appearance in. I can't quite remember. So Pocket, the hero of Fool. Oh, and Serpent of Venice. That's right. Uh, yes, yes, book yes. That, yes, all of which I liked. Um, it's, it's a good book. Uh, I wouldn't say this is blown my mind and and reached the top pantheon of Christopher Moore novels for me but it is a uh, in these unprecedented times Jason <laughs> <laughs> and now more than ever did I need a good laugh and it's a quick read and it's fun so uh, good it's a great it's it's a good read and and you'll enjoy it thoroughly so awesome. pick it up get back to yeah. it I've got it. I'm ready to go. I just haven't had the time, but I'm definitely looking forward to it because I love those characters. I love Fool. Serpent of Venice was great. I mean, granted, you know, in my in my heart, he still peaked at Lamb. But oh, by far, that's the you know that's one of my top five books of all time. So, ah, uh, yes, yes. And if you ever want to get the uh, the audible version, Fisher Stevens reads it, and even my dad, when he listened to it, he's like, I can't believe this is one guy reading this book because there's like <laughs> you know 85 characters in Lamb. And you would never know it's the same guy reading everybody. It's it's fantastic. So the audio version of Lamb, I've listened to probably 10 times. It is so good. Excellent. Moron of the Week. As we talked about a little bit earlier in the show, uh, misinformation has kind of taken over the internet and it's gotten extremely bad. And a huge part of that misinformation is, of course, the batshit crazy conspiracy theorists. However, we can't just dismiss them out of hand anymore. While they still, while they still are batshit crazy, it's almost become mainstream, which is terrifying, to be yeah. honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the Atlantic, which we now subscribe to, has done a very good job of collecting a number of articles about conspiracy theories and how they've become mainstream and uh, what's going on and how we can try to battle against it and how we can try to sort out some sort of reality again in this world. And uh, it's all collected under Welcome to Shadowland at theatlantic.com slash Shadowland. It's a collection of about, I'd say, I think it was around eight very long-form articles that go super in-depth. It's incredibly fascinating, incredibly depressing, uh, but there are some nuggets of hope in there as well. And I highly recommend that everybody read this, particularly as we lead up to the election and the conspiracy theories are ramping up. Very good read. All right. I will uh, I will have to look that up when I'm in a better mood. Yes. <laughs> so two, three years from now? Yeah, maybe then. Maybe then. Now, I saw this one over at foodandwine.com. It was trending briefly on Twitter. And uh, 
Apparently, Brian, uh, nowadays people are trying to support their local restaurants and, mm-hmm. you know, get, get some money back to the peoples. And uh, something showed up on delivery apps recently called Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. All right. Well, people have been ordering from Pasquale's Pizza and Wings, thinking that they were getting, you know, some maybe local local fare. I, I, I take umbrage. Local. I take umbrage with this theory because uh, you you should be trying to support local restaurants that you already love and enjoy. You shouldn't yes. be ordering from something you've never heard of. I don't believe so, that that is supporting your local restaurants. I agree with you on that. Yeah, okay. definitely. I just ordered from Guido's yesterday, and it was delicious. Thank you, Guido's Pizza in Woodland Hills. You are awesome. Well, uh, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings has a deep, dark secret. It's actually Chuck E. Cheese. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, dude. I didn't even oh, like man, that. Talk about, I didn't like that pizza when I was a kid. I know. Talk about the worst bait and switch ever. I mean, at least Domino's is passable nowadays. But, mm. man... I, have you tried it recently? They really did a good job. They did a good job. Okay. Um, you just got to get it uh, made well done. Anyway, yes, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings is actually a front. It's a front for Chuck E. Cheese, the worst pizza in the history of pizza. Now, in I their do defense, believe. they do say in their statement that this that they are trying to create a premium pizza while staying true to the Chuck E. Cheese brand. The Chuck E. Cheese brand is shit pizza. That's so how true. are you going to try and create a premium pizza when your brand is shit pizza? I do like the tie-in with the conspiracy theory thing here, though. The Pizza Gate, you know, good good tie-in <laughs> here. We also yeah. have some more hot pizza discussion coming in feedback. <laughs> oh, hot pizza discussion, my favorite. Yeah. So yeah, if you see Pasquale's, skip it. All right, and I've got a hero of the week. Uh, this was making the rounds on social media, and I do love this. This is genius marketing at the top level. Uh, IKEA offers up six genius ideas for homemade blanket forts. So uh, they themselves didn't do this. This was a Russian advertising agency called Instinct. So fire up your conspiracy theory engines, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it links in the show notes. It's pretty awesome. They give you IKEA-esque uh, you know, uh, instructions to build uh, six varieties of forts with your, with your sofas and things you should have around the house, probably from IKEA. Very cool. Very funny. Very well done. I really enjoyed it. I looked mm. at it. I'm like, oh, I like that one. Maybe I should try that one. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and if you've got kids, this is genius, actually. I think I might make blanket forts for the dogs. Mm. Feedback loop. Over at Patreon, we've got some new subscribers. Ben, Brendan, Plemon, and Jennifer. And, and a quick over- shout out to everybody that has actually been upping their pledges. We've had a ton of people that have increased their pledges. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And over at PayPal, we have Ryan, Michelle, Andrew, Linda, Michael, Scott, Natalie, Andrew, again, and uh, Nicholas, Colin, Stephen, and uh, Stephen says, thanks, guys. So, no, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. All of you. We appreciate it. Hey, we really do. A lot. Uh, over at Twitter, Runcat writes us, regarding the passage of time and the blur of days, as was mentioned in the most recent show, my wife, Trudy, or Trude, I'm not sure how you would pronounce that since there's no uh, Y at the end. It's an E. Hmm, interesting. I'd go with Trude. Trude. Suggested planting something. Weed? <laughs> for Brian, that may be something as simple as planting chives in a pot and then watching them grow. It might be a fun project for his son as well. And it's an interesting idea. We haven't done, gone with anything living yet because my wife has a brown or black thumb. So we, we'll give it another go, perhaps. I actually saw one, uh, this a little... Uh planter on amazon the other day it was like a uh, hundred bucks and it's for 
making herbs and things like that. So it's got like a little grow light on yeah, it. Yeah, that's been on my to-buy list for quite some time. But uh, maybe now's the time. Yeah, yeah. It looks pretty cool. So you can just do your little own herb garden in there. Yeah. It's cool. And David writes in, pretty disappointed on browser fronts. I've tried to live with Vivaldi. It's good, but it doesn't play video well at all. Giffy Cat is... His blocks, freezing and green blocks. I don't know what that means. Devs say it works on their machine, but loads of others report same problem. Back to Chrome for me. Okay, well, yeah, I don't know. I what... Got no problem with video on, on my Vivaldi. So No, not at all. Not, yes. none, whatso- none whatsoever. Yep, and Stricky writes in. I see he's realized another deep fake video, and this is uh, post-Obama's incredibly inspiring commencement speech. Trump gives the Independent Day speech. Yes, he posted another deep fake video, thus normalizing deep fakes, as I've been terribly concerned about for three or four years. Great. Yeah, I mean, this one can be, you know, labeled as parody because it is obviously from Independence Day. Yes. And uh, (laughs) so the Hollywood Reporter reached out to Bill Pullman, who actually did play President Thomas J. Whitmore in Independence Day. And he says, my voice belongs to no one but me, and I'm not running for president this year, said (laughs) Pullman. So, yeah, come on, guys. I, I mean, I know Thomas J. Whitmore and you, sir, know Thomas J. Whitmore. I'm trying, man. I'm you trying. Try, it's, early. Man. Yeah, it's okay. You, you put your all into that one. I'll give you that. I did. You Chaos tried to writes, sell it. <laughs> yeah, I did. And Chaos writes in, hey, I was just on break doing match day support for the, uh, how do you say this Bundesliga. One? Bundesliga. While listening to the latest GOG podcast. It was nice to hear that my work and that of other people as well is appreciated all over the world. Well, how cool is that? It was very cool. I was up at 6, uh, 6 a.m. On, uh, on Saturday morning to watch the very first uh, game, uh, first major sports net uh, league to be back uh, since COVID-19 is the Bundesliga. And that was the very first game when I saw this. So we had a little bit of back and forth before he had to get back to work. And I thanked him very much for his service. And uh, I very much appreciated being able to watch the games this weekend, this last weekend. And we'll be watching the games this coming weekend. Uh, it's weird. Um, no, no fans or anything like that, but uh, it's better than nothing. So this wasn't one of the games that had all the cutouts of the fans in the stands. No, that was uh, that was just one particular team in the Bundesliga, and they played oh. later. I did get to see it; it was cute, very cool. Okay, cool. And uh, I always struggle with this name, but he writes in all the time. Jackal. Well, yes, but it's J four C K L three. Yeah, hey, you don't speed Hexor. No, not anymore. <laughs> and he just mentions that he's been using MX Mice now for years on PC and Mac, and they're amazing. And we both agree. So, Dr. David Teeter, get off your stupid magic mouse. Yeah. Oh, God, Jesus. <laughs> I just got my uh, my MX Master 3 that came this week. It's nice, and, isn't it? Oh, my God. I, I tell you what, the, uh, the build quality on the new ones is really nice. The ergonomics is phenomenal. The ergonomics is almost identical to the two and the the one and the two, uh, mm-hmm. but it does feel nicer in your hand. It feels a little heavier. Mm-hmm. But I got an open box version. I can tell the my, the mouse hasn't been used, but somebody jacked the damn charging cable. Like you bastards, you <laughs> bastards. It's pretty standard cable. I'm sure you have one laying around. Well, it's USB C now because oh, okay. I tried to stick in the charging cable for my other two mice and i'm like why isn't this thing oh okay <laughs> USB-C. right that's fine but yeah I, I like the three man that's that's nice i'm gonna actually have to move that to my main machine because i, I, I want it on the one i use the most right <laughs> in moss 6502 writes in lol and it's a link to our weird behavior during the pandemic is messing with ai models this is funny yeah i was over at uh, technology review so as you can imagine it's quite a long read but uh, the tldr is a uh, they were doing fine until <laughs> until everything changed. 
Don't TP people, gate. <laughs> people changed all their behavior, and as they point out, automation is now in a tailspin. What's clear is the pandemic has revealed how intertwined our lives are with AI, exposing a delicate codependence in which changes to our behavior change how AI works, and they have not been able to adapt well in these unprecedented times. <laughs> They have to, you know, our codependence has turned into COVID dependence. Apparently, so to... AI only works well with precedented things. <laughs> yes, you can only. Yes. <laughs> oh, the precedented switch on. The... Oh God. So yeah. basically, the uh, the entire article gets into the fact that basic uh, everybody is now saying people who are saying we can just use AI and we don't need the people are now saying AI really only works when people are there to monitor it. So yes, even machine learning is people too. And when, and when people are acting normal, it has yes. no idea of edge cases. It's yep. funny. And now that we're all edge cases, it screwed them up. And over at GOG.show, Scott writes in, Hey guys, love the show, especially these days. It's the only podcast that I'm keeping current with. So many other ones have just become too much of a downer. Your coverage of this craziness has been refreshing and real. I especially like the security ha segments. I just threw a little money your way on PayPal to thank you. Well, thank you. Also, for some reason, my in-laws, who are nice and geeky, use the term grump as a synonym for poop. So when your listeners tell you guys to grump on, I get a little chuckle. <laughs> oh, stay poopy. Snay poopy. And Ref <laughs> and two or three other people, which uh, sadly I was a little late this morning, so I didn't grab their names, uh, sent us the same article, DoorDash and Pizza Arbitrage. And this is over at the margins. And this was an awesome article. I don't know if you got the chance to read this yet, Jason. No, I haven't seen this one yet. Well, they were playing around with the DoorDash algorithms and basically figured out that when DoorDash was underselling to try to get new people on board, the restaurant could actually just sell pizzas that uh, didn't actually basically just make money selling fake pizzas off of DoorDash. What? Yes, it's it's an interesting read. You should definitely go read this. And as they point out, was this a bit shady? Maybe, but fuck DoorDash. Note, I did confirm with my friend <laughs> that he was okay with me writing this and we both agreed, fuck DoorDash. Yep. So fuck DoorDash. <laughs> it's it's a very long article. It's very funny. Uh, it's very interesting. It dives pretty deep into how these companies are trying to fuck over restaurants and make money left, right, and center. It gets into the ethics of if they're trying to fuck me, is it okay for me to fuck them? The TLDR on that is they both agreed. Yes, yes. it is okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets into the whole uh, the whole idea of of, of the thin margins and are, and are any of these companies, these food delivery service companies, profitable? And the answer to that is no. None of nope. them are. So why is everybody trying to do this? And that is the really interesting question. Highly recommend everybody read this article. It's really interesting. I definitely got to check that one out. And my roommate and I had a discussion about two weeks ago, and we decided that we are going back to food delivery now that she's over her paranoia about the Rona being on all the boxes in the bags. I finally mm -hmm. got her <laughs> settled her down on that one. But we're only ordering from local places that have their own delivery people. That's it. We're not now, doing DoorDash. We're not doing Grubhub. We're not doing Postmates. We're only talking to people who we know the delivery people and... Uh, so they're, you know, they're getting paid and they're staying in business. We we don't want to give these people money. No, Uber, fuck Uber Eats. God, one, no. one thing you absolutely positively 100% have to do, and I'm sure you know this, Jason, but I'm just telling this for everybody out there, because one of the things that came out in that article I was just talking about is how these companies are hijacking restaurants, phone numbers. Yes. Um, you must go to the places website themselves and get the phone number from their own website because these companies are going through they're buying google ads so they come up you know top on thing yep. it makes it look like it's the restaurant's phone number but it goes to a dialing service for one of these th entities they've they've hijacked phone numbers on yelp they've hijacked phone numbers everywhere else 
go to the restaurant's website, get their phone number there. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, you probably already know your local people anyway, you know, call them up and just ask them a couple of questions. You're like, hey, how's it going? How you guys doing? Here? You know, just try and make a little chit chat if you're unsure about the number. But, uh, yeah, that whole thing with Yelp when they were hijacking all those numbers, that was just sleazy. And websites. They were, like, hijacking websites, too. So mm-hmm. be careful. Ask the people what they want. And, you know, everybody's got their phone number on their door. So if you're driving by, just stop by and write the phone number down or add it to your address book. That's what I've got. Every, every local place that I order from, I've got in my address book for my phone because, you know, I love my locals. I love yep. my locals. And by the way, like I mentioned before, if you're in Woodland Hills, go to Guido's. They got the best pizza in, uh, I think, in Los Angeles, personally. And Gabe writes in, hi, guys. I just heard you discuss the Facebook Giphy acquisition. And I think there's more to this story for the GOG crowd to be grumpy about. I also thought it weird that Facebook acquired a web property mostly used within other applications like Slack. Turns out Giphy's real value of their new over to their new overlords is how much it tracks your keystrokes by keystroke every time you Slack. And uh, yeah, this is kind of crazy how basically the Giphy stuff has built in uh, keystroke tracking. Yeah, it's all JavaScript embedded. There's beacons, blah, blah, blah. So they track yeah. all your keystrokes when you're using it. I, again, I, I know it's data and data is king, but I can't see how that data is particularly valuable. It's crazy to me. Yeah, I, I mean, don't either. I why don't, do they I mean, care what I'm searching for in terms of a stupid GIF to send to somebody? And I love just saying GIF now because it's God funny. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, um, I think, you know, you know why they do this. And I can see this from a technical aspect mm-hmm. um, on the fly search. You start typing, they send your keystrokes over because they're building that search query on the fly. So if right. I'm typing, you know. Stevo, and I get to STEV, and then they're gonna they're, they're searching as you go. Like mm-hmm. as soon as you put in a keystroke, they search. That's the the technical use case for it. It's not that they're tracking or anything like that. It's to give you real time search results as you go. Yeah. So exactly. I don't think it's nefarious. I think it's just tech, technology. It's not Doctor Nefario. It's not 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 Doctor Nefario. No. <laughs> And Dan writes in, just ran across this and thought you might enjoy it. It reminds me of the good old days with Commodore 64 and Apple II programming that I dabbled back in the day. Love your show. This is a long article over at Vice, God's Lonely Programmer. This is a 44-year-old Terry Davis, the founder and sole employee of Trivial Solutions. For more than a decade, he's worked on Temple OS, which is now 121,176 lines of code, which puts it on par with Photoshop 1.0. (laughs) <laughs> or, by, or or a third of Technorati when I built that. <laughs> or by comparison, Windows 7, which is uh, about 40 million lines. Yeah. So he's doing this work because God told him to. According to the Temple OS Charter, mm. it is God's official temple. Just like Solomon's temple, this is a community focal point where offerings are made and God's oracle is consulted. God also told Davis that 640 by 480, 16-color graphics, is a covenant like circumcision making it easier for children to make drawings for God. God demands a perfect temple. Mm. And Davis says, for 10 years, I worked on programming Temple OS full-time. I finished, basically, in the last year, there's just been tiny touch-ups here and there. So, hey. I would like to point out that Terry Davis does have schizophrenia as well. Yeah, well, there's that. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. Yes. 
And Jim writes in, fog-free mask lead for Jason. Larry Nolan from Versaflex is selling masks on Etsy. Versaflex makes soft goods for film, sound, and photography professionals. Also a super nice guy. His stuff is all well-made and wears well. A glasses-wearing sound mixer colleague has been raving about how great her mask is. Well, is it a him or a her? Name's Larry, but when I go to Versaflex masks, it's a woman. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe it's a Wachowski situation. Yeah, I, th- I think Larry's a dude, but they, he does have uh, probably his girlfriend wearing the masks. They look like masks <laughs> to me. I see. <laughs> there is one difference, though. If you look across the bridge of the nose, they do have kind of uh, like a seal across them, which looks like it might be pretty good. But uh, yeah, I, I, I might actually check one out. Um, but uh, we do have, Brian, a mm-hmm. mask update, if you'd Ooh, like to hear it. I'd love to hear it. I know you're winning. Uh, yes. Yeah. By by quite a bit because you promote it and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have uh, sold uh, what is this, thirteen masks, Woo-hoo! and I have sold uh, do, 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 trying to do the math <laughs> seventeen. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not very far behind for not having bothered to tweet it out even once. No, no, you're picking up. You're picking okay. up. I got okay. a couple sales from you yesterday. You're doing good. And doing and good. and the uh, the nonpartisan mask. How's that selling? Uh, so far of those, we've sold 35. Ooh, not bad. <laughs> not bad. So check them out. Yeah. And now that you're, uh, you're on the unemployed train or the furloughed train, uh, <laughs> you said you were going to start maybe throwing some designs up for yourself. Yes, I, I will get on that. I have, uh, I have one more thing I have to wrap up for my previous company. So once that's done, I will, uh, try to make some shit for people to buy. All right. Don't put up any Dr. Nefario masks. We don't need copyright infringement. No, no copyright infringements. All right. Uh, Mike writes in, in episode 435, you mentioned the noise cancellation of the NVIDIA graphics card. Just thought I'd flag that BBC Click did an episode where they tested it versus Crisp, and Crisp was almost as good. Plus, it works on Mac, too. And it gives us the link, crisp.ai. AI. <laughs> I, I installed this yesterday because I was going to give it a shot, and then mm-hmm. I immediately had to uninstall it because, uh, Brian, you know my routing situation here. I'm mm-hmm. a professional audio guy. It hijacked everything in my system and made my <laughs> computer absolutely unusable for what I need to do to actually make a living. So maybe I'll try it on uh, – you know what? I'll, I'll try it on my MacBook Air because that way I can use the built-in microphone and really right. test it out to see what it uh, – See what, what it, it can does. Pull out. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I could normally just go up to Ventura Boulevard and get a lot of traffic noise, but there's no cars anymore. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know, man. Traffic's picked up a lot. People have been yes. giving up. Well, you know, we have we have opened back up. Mm-hmm. We have opened back up for the most part. Uh, still can't get into Trader Joe's, but hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> Stay home. That's what you should do. Stay fucking home. Quibble writes in, pretty sure you'll have seen this one yourselves, but I'd love to hear what you guys and Dave make of it. You can't make this stuff up. And this is the UK accidentally left secret plans for its COVID-19 contact tracing app on an open Google Drive. Whoops. Way to go, UK. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, done. I didn't even, I didn't even look at this. I'd be like, derp. <laughs> yeah. And Amelia writes in, someone had mentioned game soundtracks as a background while working at home, so I simply must... Add here my two favorite soundtrack albums from Near Gestalt and Near Automata. Did I get any of that right? I don't know. Yeah, close enough. All right. What is special about this music is that although there's a lot of vocal work, lyrics have no meaning. Oh, so like the Cocteau Twins. One of or Rammstein. <laughs> so those were, they're, they're, it's in German. They actually I know, have, but they have no okay. meaning to me. Because to you, I, ha- okay. I only took four years of German in high school, which means I can say, you know, uh, <laughs> Ich bin eine große Bahnhof. 
that's about all I know. <laughs> Anyways, we have links in this links in the show notes if you want to check out the soundtracks. Wait a shit I'm on just, an entire country and their history, my friend. Like, oh. <laughs> Jason says German has no meaning. <laughs> what well, sounds like they got phlegm, man? Come on, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I can still count to a million in German, so hey, I, I, I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> Ein, zwei, ah, fuck it. Ein, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben, acht, neun, zehn, keep going. <laughs> Why don't you read the next comment? <laughs> All right, Barrett says, <laughs> SpaceX releases the Dragon Crew, or the Crew Dragon Simulator. I've tried it out a few times, pretty fun. Have you tried this thing out? I did, and I, you know me with games. I was like, yeah. huh, this doesn't have just one joystick? What the hell with this? Yeah, it was tough. It was actually really tough. I never made a successful docking, so I will not be an astronaut. <laughs> but it is pretty cool. I mean, I tried. I tried really hard, but uh, yeah, you have to have patience for that one, and I have none. I basically just, you know, <laughs> floored it and ran it to the ISS many times. But right. in other good news, SpaceX is setting up the, the Crew Dragon for its first human spaceflight on May 27th. It has actually made it to Kennedy Space Center. And they're prepping it for launch. I am. I don't know about you, Brian. I'm really, really excited about this thing. Yeah, me too, because I want to get off this damn planet. <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> as soon as possible. Just don't hire us to dock the damn thing when we get up to the space station, because that would not work out well. No, we'll navigate. Yeah. We'll have there's our Thomas' guide space. to the universe. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, I need more TP for my Corona hole rights in. This tech company preyed on retirees. FTC and this law firm are suing. Love you guys. I'm a young techie, but you both speak the truth. And this is a consumer's filed class action lawsuit against Online Trading Academy for fraud. Uh, shocking. An online training academy is fraudulent. Amazing. They mm. targeted consumers and elderly individuals in particular. They claimed to offer consumers a low investment, high profit online trading strategy and charges each student up to $50,000. Christ. Unsurprisingly, the vast majority of students who received the training did not make substantial income promised. And many students lost thousands of dollars trading on top of the money they spent on the OTA training. So don't buy that shit. People. Yeah. Just don't. Don't yeah. even bother. Mm -hmm. Over at iTunes, uh, we have a couple of reviews, some fun ones this time. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt C29 writes in five stars tech with snark. Tech, tech, snarky tech. I've been listening to and recommending this pod for years. GOG's healthy skepticism of big tech and refusal to drink the Kool-Aid keeps them ahead of the curve again and again. Love to hear their thoughts on possible quarantine times part two in the fall. Are there new strategies to employ and essentials to gather? Move to family or friends before the second mass lockdown? Or just buy, or this is my, my, my comment on it, just buy a lot more booze and you'll be fine. So, <laughs> um, nice. I, I'm down with the moving in with family or friends. I think finding, finding some uh, lockdown partners will be key, particularly if you have children, um, because you, you want to sh share the pain. Um, yeah. My hope is to get the hell out of the country before the second lockdown and be locked down in a better country, but we shall see what happens for that. <laughs> Good luck on that <laughs> one, brother. Uh, we got another five-star rating from Alamadian. A fun ride. Every podcast is informative and fun to listen to while I take a break from griping and moaning about the world. Thank All you. Right. And this one uh, comes from Don't Bother from uh, the U.S. Uh, it's a two-star, and it says, Copy much? Lots of repeated content from Adam Carolla. Might be accidental, but happens frequently. This one's well, a head-scratcher for me because yeah. uh, I completely stopped listening to Adam Carolla about three months ago now. 
I not. stopped listening to him three years ago now. <laughs> and I, when I did listen to him, I, I don't think, other than the news, because we talk about news, I, I never really heard anything that we, we have vastly different opinions about everything. Everything. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we don't like cars. So yeah. what the hell? I have so, no idea what he's talking about. Me either. No idea. And this is from Redacted User. And I have to say, I think this is a repost because I, I know we've had this exact same comment again. So I think we're getting trolled a bit here. Boring and definitely grumpy. Oh, and this is a one star. COVID-19 update. I really enjoyed the show with these two grumpy oldie geeks when they talk about technology, which is 80% of the show. I stopped listening in 2019. It is 2020, so you must yeah. have listened again. I just couldn't take all of the political conversations and political jabs. Their political views mirror the latest mainstream media headlines. Mainstream media is quite biased and polarized. So are these guys, and they are void of critical thinking. However, please, for God's sake, stop talking about politics and other stuff you have opinions about that have nothing to do with what most people want to hear from you. Based on what you think is going on anywhere in a very complex and fluid world, you have very little clue about other than the fake news from mainstream media you read, hear, or see especially stop getting upset what politics you see on social media. You should know better. Blah, 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 de, blah, mainstream media, blah, de, blah, mainstream media. God, do you fuckers have anything besides pissing on mainstream media in your toolbox? You do not. Shut up. He obviously also doesn't have spelling or capitalization going on. <laughs> also, you know what podcasts are? They're shows where people talk about their opinions. Their fucking opinions. <laughs> Redacted user, my ass. Redacted yeah. brain. And if um, you, by the way, spell, <laughs> if you can't spell definitely, you definitely shouldn't be leaving comments. But hey, hey, it's a free world. It's a free, it's a free world. world. You get to have your opinion, too. Thanks for listening. And I listening. get to say, go fuck yourself. Thanks for stopping listening in 2019, but obviously listening through 2020 to go ahead and give an opinion and a repost on 2020. So, you know, we're, we're that effective that he can have that much vitriol that he comes back over five months later than 2019 to actually <laughs> update on this COVID-19. Yeah, that's okay. I'm yeah. sure he's listening right now. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. Tell us how much you hate mainstream media. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and snarky review. And keep clicking those uh, stars in Overcast. We really appreciate it. We're still kicking ass up there. Thanks to you. We're back again this week with Seth Miranda, photographer extraordinaire, man about town, our man on the streets in New York City. How's it going, Seth? Well, I'm not about town, and I'm definitely not on the streets here in New York City. <laughs> uh, I did go out yesterday, though, so it was very surreal. I saw you uh, had some pictures from your studio, which you haven't been in in quite some time, I'm taking. Yeah, it was three months, and I opened up the door, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's, this is actually a pretty good space. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very weird, though. I mean, uh, you know, everything's still closed up. Everyone's trying to be active because it's super nice out. Uh, but I am seeing the dumbest people putting the mask under their nose or on their chin, which surely yeah. does the job, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's like, you idiot. Oh, it kills uh, me. Yeah, self-selecting sample. Maybe maybe kills them. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just disheartening that we're all in the same uh, boat with what's going on right here, but no one understands that you're not special and things don't just apply to you. But you know, whatever. Come on, man, we're America. America. Get used to it. Yeah, I was hoping <laughs> New York would have some sort of intelligence level, but nope, nope, just doesn't happen. 
No, it doesn't. So how are you doing with that studio? You still got to pay for it, I'm assuming, and you can't use it. So how's that work out? Yeah, uh, I'm basically trying to use it for recording stuff and using it to create online live stream demos and workshops and like just get my YouTube videos done from there. But in the end, I think uh, I'm just going to have to eat it for a little while and hopefully just get through this. Um, I'm very fortunate, though, to be doing the stuff I'm doing. My channels are growing and the people I, I have contracts with are still going forward. So I'm very, very fortunate, all things considered. Well, that's that's good to hear. So what do we got in the world of uh, photography and streaming and all that good stuff? Well, I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about this thing Raspberry Pi has put out. Uh, it's, you know, Raspberry Pi has been known for just putting out these boards that you could do whatever you want to do with them. And mainly people make video game emulators out of them more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for 50 bucks, you can get a Raspberry Pi that allows you to mount a lens to it. And this is pretty much any screw mount lens like C-mount or these Russian Helios lenses that a lot of Instagrammers like to use because they're soft and swirly and shallow depth of field. But you get 12.3 megapixels for something that's basically the palm of your hand and interchangeable. I thought that was pretty cool and a lot of fun uh, as far as a project goes for people who are photo nerds, you know, things like that. No, that is pretty cool. I, I think uh, I think we talked about that before when you were on last time. We talked about the uh, the new uh, mount for that thing. And it's a, it's a pretty neat little uh, device for sure. Uh, I don't think I'm going to go down that road. I've had a Raspberry Pi in the past and uh, <laughs> they can be a little bit... Uh, a little bit hard to to program sometimes if you're uh, not really into it anymore. Oh no, they're totally a rabbit hole. I'm not going to deny that. My the one Raspberry Pi I have that is a Super Nintendo emulator just all of a sudden decided to not uh, recognize any controllers. So that's my new hobby. <laughs> Trying to get that thing to work again because it was super fun to just have it on hand. But this one I'm kind of interested in mainly because you can get an adapter from a screw mount lens to virtually anything. Like I have my Nikon Z6 adapted with a Helios right now, and to have. Uh, you know, a, a really weird looking lens it has a very interesting quality to it on a Neo new school body with stabilized lens and everything like that. I'm sorry, stabilized body. Uh, it's pretty awesome. So if you can adapt these under a hundred dollar lenses with a unique look onto this $50 board and see what you get just for fun, I'm all for it. And if you want to put like a gigantic monster, uh, 300 millimeter Canon lens on it, you could find an adapter for that as well. Oh, that would be fun. A yeah. little 300 2.8 on that thing. Just go <laughs> nuts, a, you know? Yeah. You need. Yeah, you definitely need those those big lenses that have their own uh, tripod mount on them to, to hold the damn thing up. Well, that's the cool thing also is the Raspberry Pi has a quarter 20 mount on it. Really? Yeah. So you're, all the distribution of weight is kind of equalized. So you can actually use the uh, – it's right under the lens mount. So it's basically just a raw board with a lens mount uh, screwed into it. It looks like a science project, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> you, it, the quarter 20 mount's awesome. And so you have that option as well. It's, and, and I think with it being so small and light, why couldn't you put this like on the strap of your backpack and then feed a wire into something or whatever? You know, like it's, I just feel like I'm really curious to know what the community is going to do with this thing. And at 50 bucks, I'm down to give it a shot. Yeah, I think I might give one of those a shot for 50 bucks. It sounds kind of fun. You can, yeah. Uh, you could, yeah. I mean, basically, you, you make your own personal body cam out of the thing <laughs> and just put it on the strap of your, your backpack with whatever lens you want. Yeah, I'd always have to wear that shirt that you sent me, the uh, You Are Being Recorded t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. That was so long knows. ago. I did that with bleach and a bunch of stencils, and I ran out of letters. So I remember using like the dollar sign for an S or something. That's funny. Yeah, I've still got that thing. I was going to actually frame it no. because it's uh, it's such a cool shirt. So, no, God, that was years and years ago. That's when we first met. Wow. 
Yeah. Uh, well, flies. you kept on talking about it. So I was like, oh, I got an extra, you know, shirt in your size and I uh, got a bunch of bleach. Let's uh, let's see what I can <laughs> send over to Jason. <laughs> and you wore it to some convention. I remember you told me that everyone was like eyeballing you for it. Yeah, I can't remember what convention that was, but I definitely wore it out. Wore, wore it out on the street, and they're like, uh, am I being recorded right now? I'm like, well, not by me, but just look around, buddy. Look around wherever you go. <laughs> oh, my God. So what's new with you and your tech? I know you've been setting up an office and a studio and everything. Well, I mean, I've had this thing for years now with the Nikon D810. I always wanted to use it as my streaming webcam. Mm. And I could not figure out how to get this damn thing to stay on for more than twenty nine fifty nine. Like in live view, it would always shut off. And you reminded me the other day, you're like, uh, did you upgrade the firmware? And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> and I looked and I looked and I was on point zero two of the firmware, which means that, I mean, that's what it was when I got it. So that's how old the thing is. Yeah. And it was like on version 14 M now. So I got it. I uploaded it and re you know, flashed the firmware and I'm like, oh, here's a new setting, you know, live view timer set to never turn off. Boom. I got a I got a $2500 webcam now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And yeah. it's it's kind of amazing what firmware does. Uh one of the biggest examples is Fuji. So when Fuji put out a firmware update for one of the cameras, all of a sudden it did 4K video. Like, wow. Yeah, so people get caught up in these specs of a camera or whatever it is, but if it has something whatever device it is that has upgradable firmware, it's really the limitations of what the hardware can do. If it has a killer processor in that camera, they might do faster frames per second. It might unlock different um, you know, resolutions for video and things like that. And I think people have to really look at the hardware they're buying, not so much the specs. And usually when the community complains about a feature of a camera so much, usually they'll go into the firmware. When you told me that you were only getting the under 30-minute time limit, I'm like, that was back when that camera wasn't even thought of to be used in such a fashion that you're doing. Right. So yeah, the the upgrade took me five minutes and boom, now I have new features. And I remember with the Fuji, I used to have the X1. And I when I got this thing, I got it from Kent Nichols, one of the guys that did Ask a Ninja back in the day. I loved that camera. Mm. But the the autofocus was crap. Yeah. And it it never really worked right. And I went and I found the firmware update for the camera and for the lenses as well, which helps because you needed firmware for those lenses. And it got better. It still kind of sucked, and I ended up selling it. But uh, it was nice <laughs> that you could actually upgrade it and get get a little bit more, squeeze a little bit more functionality out of it than you could when you started. Yeah, they definitely keep on updating the autofocus more than anything else because that's what kind of sells cameras. Is uh, when the Nikon Z6 came out, there was no eye autofocus on it. Couldn't recognize eyes, right? Now it wow. has animal eye autofocus. It can recognize all that. types. <laughs> yeah. So, it, and it's the same camera. It's the same camera you bought. It's just they're not leaving you hanging, and they're not trying to sell you the next body. They just want you to feel confident in that brand. And a firmware update is free, kids. Check your camera's firmware. Go update it with the what and it could fix a bug you'd even know that the camera had causing it to have worse battery life or heat issues all sorts of things yeah definitely one of the firmware upgrades that i'm always uh on about is i've got this roadcaster pro and it's you know it's a decent piece of hardware the preamps aren't that great but uh the problem is when this thing came out it was not pro like it, you had mm. these settings where it's like, okay, you can turn on a noise gate, but you can't set the settings of the noise gate. Like my noise gates need to be very specific. I need to set, you know, the attack release time, what the knee is and all that stuff to, to get it to where I want it to be. And you couldn't do that. It was just a button. It was a PhD push here, dipshit. <laughs> and now 
the new one that they just came out with, the, the, the firmware that's in beta, lets you tweak everything. So this thing is getting better and better with every firmware upgrade that they have. So I, I love that device now. It's like before I hated it, I just kept it on the shelf and I would only take it out when I really had to like go on location and I have a podcast studio with me when I went out. But now I've got it. I've got it hooked up to my video station, and I use it all the time. It's really nice. And they just did that with a couple of firmware up- updates. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't end with just. The, I mean, it's it's like you have to figure out if whatever you're buying is able to update firmware, and that's like a positive now. I mean, even my studio lights, my flashes, my strobes have firmware in them, and it makes my radio controller more and more reliable, less interference. You know, I've even seen uh, longer battery life and faster recycle time on strobes because they just figured something out and they pass it along to you. So that's the moral of my story uh, today on your show: is go check your. Firmware on everything and see if you can get up to date. Yeah, definitely. It really makes a difference. So, what else you got, Seth? So, I wanted to bring up the Canon EOS R5, which has been a real hot topic in my world, uh, pretty much because Canon has always been playing catch up with the technology out there, mainly because they've been known for kind of, uh, you know, crippling the video features in a lot of their cameras because they're worried about them going. like they're worried about those cameras cannibalizing sales from their cinema line. Okay. Right. So normally if they had 4k video in their camera, they would be like, yeah, sure. But it crops the sensor. So it's not full frame anymore. And all your lenses become more zoomed in. And that was always an issue with Canon and people were staying away from it. But then they came out with this crazy uh, announcement about the R5. And this is not new, the news as well, but it's not out yet, but everyone is sweating this thing. They don't even care uh, what it really looks like. They don't even care to hold it. They don't care to see an image from it. They're just looking at these specs and going, I want to buy this thing. And they don't even have a price for it yet. And that's where I start having a problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, this is what the problem is. People buy hype, but they don't invest in themselves because no matter what you're buying, you're still the person that's got to use that camera, like we always say. But here's the big deal. They're saying it has 8K video, 30 frames per second raw recording in camera. Right. That, 4K 120, 120p. So 4K 120 means you can do some really high res slow-mo, which is awesome because yeah. usually you're stuck at 720 or 1080. And sometimes you get audio. Sometimes you don't get audio. And it also gives you C-log, which means you're shooting in log 10-bit video in the camera. Now, here's, here's where I think the catch is. If you have 8K 30 frames raw in camera, why do the specs also say 4K 60, which is lower res, higher frame rate, but it can only record it out uh, into an external recorder from the HDMI? And the Hmm. reason I think that is, is because the 8K recording might only be for a minute or two. They're not releasing recording times on this thing. Oh, that could be the gotcha. And I don't think anyone's really talking about that too much. I think they just get caught up in numbers go up. I want to buy it. (laughs) the resolution's up and the frame rate and I can do stuff. Can you do stuff? Think about this. And I'm not trying to hinder anybody's excitement about this camera. The fact that uh, Canon is setting the tone for the next generation of cameras, which is usually Sony, right? We always hear about Sony putting out like the next technology, but we haven't heard anything from uh, Sony. We haven't heard anything from Nikon. Fuji's doing their own thing like they always do. Pentax is uh, like, when the hell have we heard about Pentax? They just put out some APS-C camera. Olympus, who knows what's going on. But 
Canon to set the tone is a big deal. And maybe this will set everyone else off and put some fire in some of the brands and we'll, we'll benefit from it because they'll put out better uh, or more specs rather. But I just don't buy this 8K video until they put out record times. And who knows if this thing can uh, handle that much data without overheating. 8K video cameras like a RED or something like that have huge fans in them that are spinning all the time to dissipate heat. You're going to yeah, tell me massive this- heat sinks on the side of them. Those RED cameras are basically like a heat sink with a lens half the time. Absolutely. They're built exactly. When you look at them, they're they're totally a heat sink. People do- and what about battery power? You know, how how much could this thing possibly handle? And and uh, it just goes on, man. I just keep on going like you guys are waiting for this catch, I'm telling you. We don't know a price, right? Yep. Um, Canon put out a DSLR with 6K video for $6,500. Ouch. Well, that's a top end flagship camera and I get it. And they did an amazing job with it. I have to give my hats off to Canon with that one. However, this thing's going to come out mirrorless with higher res specs and you don't think the price is going to start creeping up. I don't know, man. (laughs) Well, fortunately I'll stick with my Nikons, but (laughs) Well, we need another generation from all these camera companies. Sony is getting set to talk about two cameras in the next month or two. So we're wondering what that's going to be. Is that going to be like, oh, Canon, here, hold my beer. I got this. And they're going to drop something even crazier. But I mean, honestly, who needs 8K video? That's, so that's another point, right? Um, people think 8K is a lot. It's a heavy load. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people, clients are asking for higher res 8K video because they want to future proof the content so that when mm. people do have 8K TVs, they can put it out there and it's ready to be at that resolution, even though uh, right now we don't need it or they want it so they can punch in. So if I uh, zoom in 50%, that right. 8K is now 4K video, which is our standard right now. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So it just gives you wiggle room to actually get the shot that you want. Yeah. Yeah. And it's or or make sure that you have a fail safe that, you know, if I'm shooting two people talking and I'm shooting at 8K, if I punch into you talk and I punch into the other person talk, it's still 4K. It's just one video feed that saves a lot. Yeah. Saves saves another camera and another cameraman. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's very cool. I sound like I'm like a grump about this one. I just get really down when people salivate over a bunch of specs on a blog before they even see a camera and what it actually does in real life, you know? Yeah. No, I totally get that. Totally get that. I mean, it's a nice looking camera though, but like I said, I'm just not a Canon guy. It's one of those things where, I mean, I started shooting Nikon when I was in high school. So that was 1988. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not about to switch now. Let's just say that. <laughs> Look, I, I think it's important to let everyone know that whatever brand you're shooting with right now, it's awesome. Okay? Like, they're yeah. all doing a good job. Uh, there are some systems that are more fleshed out than others. Yes. There are some things that are thinking more towards a genre. Like, if you want to get into video more, there's some cameras that do video better than something else. You know, some people want the resolution. Some people want less resolution so they can have faster file exchange. All sorts of stuff. But it's really important to look at the tools for what you're trying to do and not just buy a bunch of specs. If that was the case, every Leica that's five grand or more with lower specs than every Nikon <laughs> Canon wouldn't be worth every the five camera. grand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I still don't get the Leica thing, man. I know you do. We talked about that before. But oh, what, I, what I tell my friends now when they want to get a DSLR, I say, go to the camera store and hold them in your hand yep. and feel which one feels best for you. Cause some people have smaller hands and Canon's good for people with smaller hands. Nikon's are bigger, better for people with bigger hands. I've noticed. Um, Cause I just, I, I, 
can't I can't hit the controls right on a Canon because my my thumb's bigger and my my fingers are bigger. But Nikon feels perfect in my hand. But the cameras are going to just do about exactly the same damn thing. You know, you're going to take great pictures with both of them, and the price point is pretty close to the same. So you're in the same range. I find I just tell them like find something that you're comfortable with that you can hold all day and take pictures with. That's all you really need to know nowadays. You know, for people who are just getting started, I'm not talking about people who are like you know have a specific use case. But for just, you know, the average guy on the street who just says, hey, I, I want to start taking digital pictures with a DSLR. I'm like, go to the camera store, pick them up, feel them, feel, find what feels right, and you're going to be fine. Yeah. The, and, you know, when Sony was being touted out there for pushing the technological advancements in, the, in uh, imaging, no one was really mentioning how they had a hard time holding the cameras because they kept on making them smaller and smaller and smaller, which also yeah. caused heat issues. And now if you look at the Sonys that are coming out now, they're responding to all these people complaining about them not being able to hold it. I couldn't get my finger between the lens and the grip. It was actually hurting my knuckle. And I'm like, I can't work a full day with this camera, whatever it, the specs are. But yeah. what's even funnier is almost – Every other camera you pick up still has a Sony sensor in it because there's only like three sensor companies in the world and they buy the sensor. They, they go to them. They go, hey, I want a sensor that has this res with this kind of uh, – they, they tell the bakery what ingredients to put into it and mm -hmm. then they take it from Sony. And then after the sensor, it's up to Nikon or whoever else to process the information off the sensor. It's not the sensor all in for the image. It's also how it interprets the light, how it processes the data to create the image, color science, you know, dynamic range, how much information is in your shadows, in your highlights. It's not all about, well, this resolution and this company made the sensor and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the science behind the, you know, the CPU and the camera and what software they've built to, to handle that raw image data and what they do with it. Nice. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm down. I like my Panasonic uh, Lumix G7s. Like I would never take that out to actually shoot anywhere because it is so small. I'm like it's nice and light and small and plasticky. But if I put it on a tripod and shoot video with it all day, it's perfect. But I would never take it out to like you know for a day of shooting because it's just it, it feels like a toy in my hand. It's like way too small. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, right. But, toy, you know, right, I was about to say right toy, right job. But I was about to say right tool, right job. <laughs> right just, tool, just right job. Yeah. It kind of is right toy, right job. But uh, yeah, that the job for that thing is to sit on a tripod all day and take pictures of my, my stanky butt. That's <laughs> <laughs> about it. Well, you know, you were on my, uh, my show on Facebook with that camera, right? Yeah, yeah, that's that was actually the camera that I used for that. Uh, no longer though, my main camera is going to be my uh, my D810, and I'm going to use the uh, the G7s for um, basically uh, pickup shots and B-roll. So if I'm if I'm demoing a product, I'll use it for that. I'm still waiting for my uh, my switcher from Blackmagic. What are those things called? The ATM minis. Yeah, the ATEM minis. I'm just like, where the hell is it? Everybody's asking that question. Everyone's yeah. asking that question. They, so Blackmagic is kind of famous for that. They make this crazy hype and they make something that's pretty cool at a good price point because that's their thing is like higher production value for an easier price point. Mm -hmm. And then we don't know about the supply stream, right? Which I think is what's going to happen with the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, right? All this hype about the specs and what these new SSDs and this processor and all this great stuff. Awesome. And everybody always is ready to buy for a holiday season. Great. I guarantee you there's going to be some supply chain issue and it'll become rare and it'll be all over eBay for a two grand a system for the <laughs> yeah. people who actually got them. Like It's like the Tickle Me Elmo, you know? 
Yeah, I'm I'm fine with my regular Xbox One. I'm good for now. I don't need a PlayStation Five. I'm I'm stuck in the Xbox ecosystem. But the the new one, I don't really see a need to to upgrade just yet. Well, I'll wait a couple years. You know, it's, it's with consoles. I always tend to wait because same thing. We go back to the beginning of the show. They always update the firmware and get more out of the processor and juice it up, and you get more capability as the thing gets older. Yeah, but did you see the new Unreal Engine Five? Uh, oh my God. It, that it was is mind incredible. Blowing. I know was, that thing is incredible. You know, people look at it and go, eh, so what? It's just good. Gra-. I'm like, it's not just good graphics. You're not realizing that your character isn't just walking an animation that's been programmed. When it hits a rock, its foot will jitter or like it's actually in the environment now. And the light theory is perfect. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I highly recommend it. We just talked about on the last show about how uh, Unreal has come out with the uh, the new bump, so you can make you can get the Unreal Engine right right now. It's four because five's not out till late late next year. But uh, you can get the engine and build your own games, and they won't charge you a royalty until you hit one million dollars in sales, which I thought was fantastic for new game designers. Yeah, we were just talking about this on Twitch, basically. There's no barrier for entry. And if you're a young developer, a kid, you can learn on the engine that's widely used and actually build a career for yourself starting early. And to not pay a royalty, I think it was like $19 a month. It's incredible. Uh, And an indie game might never hit a million dollars. So you might just have a free engine to just keep putting out your work. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I I was talking before, like I I learned on the Quake engine back when they were starting to release that, and it was you know it was really fun to develop on. But I was never going to be a game developer. But it was just something fun to to do and and figure out how it worked and all the back end tools that you get when you get the the whole engine. And you know, right now nobody's doing anything instead of playing video games. Maybe go learn to make one, <laughs> and then when this thing's over, you can actually get a job in the video game industry, which is. You know, granted, a sweatshop, but you can still <laughs> have a career. You know, well, the video you, game you, industry is not a fun place to work. But <laughs> well, have you seen uh, Dreams on PlayStation? No, I haven't. So it's basically like a sixty dollars game, but it really is an interface for you to build anything you want. And a lot of people have been remaking games that they love or uh, like a surreal environment. One guy created a forest that people didn't realize was an emulation till. Uh, or simulation, I should say, rather, uh, until they really looked at it. it. It's amazing when you give the keys to everybody, how many people really actually belong inside that party sometimes. And I think this lowering the barrier for something like developers, even if you didn't think you were a developer, there could be some amazing artists out there that just needed an access to this tool to create this medium, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's really exciting. It's really exciting. And I hope a lot of people take advantage of it. So... I, you know, and, and hopefully it'll change the way the, the video games are made. You know, if a lot of more, if more indie developers get into it, then they can change that business because that business is a terrible business. It, it just tears people up, you know, 80 hour day or 80 hour weeks, not 80 hour days. That would be a tough sell. But can you FTP me some uh, extra hours? I'm running low. Uh, but no, it'll hopefully it'll, you know, change things up a bit because man, it's, and it, especially with that, that five engine, it is just incredible. I would, my jaw was on the floor when I watched that. <laughs> it was nuts. And that's not yeah. even a real game. It was just like they just made it for that. It was just they crazy. made it for that. That's why I was. In, I'm like, you guys put this in for a demo. This looks like a, <laughs> you know, like a, a AAA game. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was insane. 
So I think another thing that changes the industry is that we're seeing the actual community now. It's not just people that buy games. It's an actual community of people that are in constant contact while they play these games, constantly talking about them, giving their opinion on it. And when they go, oh, we all hate EA and we hate loot crates or loot boxes or whatever uh, and microtransactions, you start seeing things shift a little bit. No one, everyone thought that single player games were dead then god of war came out and it was only single player and you know we we never thought that our dollars would be this much of a vote but if those if video games bother you or the way they're doing it or they're working those developers to the bone and give us a glitchy game that we need to wait for an update for months after anyway to make it playable don't buy the game yeah seriously <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, I have to, you know, if I'm playing that night, I always have to turn my Xbox on in the morning because there's like 30 <laughs> gigabytes of updates for all the games coming through. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's new school problems for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for stopping by, Seth. This has been fun. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Closing shout outs. Uh, very sad news. Uh, sad to say goodbye to Fred Willard, who, as we know, is an amazing comedic actor, best in show, A Mighty Wind, all of those documentaries. Um, one of the best turns he ever did. Obviously, I'm biased here, but of course, it was in, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on the name right now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the best uh, rock and roll mockumentary Spinal of all tap. time. Spinal Jesus. Tap. Thank you. It's early. <laughs> I have I have my, my magnetic, uh, it goes to 11 knob sitting here on my... <laughs> Then we got it, uh, what was it, uh, Fireside? Fireside, yeah. I've got yeah. mine too. Yeah, so sad to see that he passed away. Quite life, very funny dude. And uh, the uh, tributes to him on Twitter from fellow comedians are, are heartwarming. So He had a good run. He had mm -hmm. a very good run. And a quick shout out to Chris Kern and the Podcasters Lounge. They had me on last night with a bunch of other uh, podcasting professionals talking about our workflow. I'll put a link to the show notes so you can go back and watch uh, some people and figure out how we do this thing that we do called podcasting, if you're interested in that. And thanks to Seth Miranda for stopping by and giving us a little chat. And don't forget the drink up on Saturday, May 23rd at, what do we 4 say? 4 p.m. 4 p.m. 4 yes. uh, Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern, and whenever the hell that is in London. Yes. So. Uh, in these unprecedented times, now more than ever, do you need to listen to us and watch us drink for an hour? <laughs> yes. Or go to GOG.show slash live. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to GOG.show slash donate. Toss us a few bucks and we'll love you forever. Your support really keeps us going and we really appreciate it. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 440. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, donate to the show, and get links to stuff we like. It would be remiss of me to not mention the 440 was a seminal drum machine used in a lot of the early 80s and 90s electronica. So, you know, when the numbers hit, that's what we do. Stay grumpy. And when you take the red pill, you learn the real meaning of kofifi. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.